So we need. I gotta. We gotta get something for for the pre roll. <laughs> nope. I tried to make a uh, a spoof song based on one of these songs. Like if we listen to each other talk, push record and share our thoughts. And I actually had an entire thing written out, and I forgot what it was because it's been so long. Oh, so that's bravo, excellent. Ken. Bravo. <laughs> Oh my god. That's good enough for a pre-roll right there. Hey, I'm Joe. I'm Ken. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. We're the Rewinders Podcast. Rewinding movies to see if they still hold up or if they ever held up who knows we're, but we're doing it and this time we uh pulled out the old vhs player blew on the cartridge because that's <laughs> what you did with cartridges even though you didn't blow on vhs tapes did we have to jam the pencil into the the spoke to rewind the pedigree back <laughs> yep to access to access his feelings Hey, oh. you joke about that. I had to resurrect a VHS tape that got crushed, and Ooh. I did have to tighten it by hand and reset it and all that stuff. It was pretty crazy. Anyone I, uh, born between 85 and 98 would have had to have done that. I'm, I'm not going to lie. At, this, in general, this really brought me back. I've done it a bunch of times to recover damaged VHS? VHS tapes. Yep. Yes, wow, yes. Man. I'm uh I'm really getting the the phantom feeling of the the ridges of the spoke on my fingertip. Yep. <laughs> oh, what a feeling! Yep. I never thought I'd think about again. There's clicky things in the VHS tape that prevent you from like actually manually doing it. So I don't know how you guys were rewinding a VHS tape. Some that was that was a feature that they put in at at some point. You'd flip the 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 shield on the VHS tape up, and then there was something you had you had you'd use both hands. You had to jump jam your finger in uh, the right side, and it would push one of the the arms back that you could respool the. I was a young child when these things were a thing, and uh, we would just yeah, we went through v- through tapes like no one's business, including this one. This one being the Goofy movie. A goofy movie. A uh, goofy, goofy movie. movie. It is not uh, the it goofy is, movie. Yes. It is no, a this goofy is, movie. This is the only goofy movie to me. We don't know. We don't talk about the. Se- there is no sequel. There is no sequel. I've legitimately never That's seen. Not that what movie. the internet says. Well, the internet's the internet wrong. Shh, it's okay. It doesn't <laughs> exist. But yeah. uh, so, what is uh, what's your guys' experience with? I, I'll lead off this part because usually I don't lead off this part. My experience with this movie is I saw commercials for it and decided it wasn't for me and I never watched it. Really? Polly Shore didn't appeal to you? No. This is like peak Polly Shore. I just I just watched Biodome <laughs> the other day for free because it's on Tubi and I, I, I realized that this is where I like Polly Shore and, and Biodome is not where I like Polly Shore. There's like a fine line for me. <laughs> And I know we're not into it yet, but the beauty of this movie with Polly Shore is he has about seven lines, and that's about all you need from him. Yes, I love Polly Shore, but there's a limit. There's definitely a limit. <laughs> I saw this movie in theaters. Uh, I owned it on at least one VHS. I'm I'm pretty sure that we wore that first uh, at least one one copy of VHS out because there were points in this movie that I was hearing the lines in my head before they were 
being said on the movie. So, like, it was weird. I watched this movie a lot growing up. It was in the, like, pile of, let's throw a movie on and keep the kids busy. I I wish we would have owned this one. It was crazy, because my mom and dad, like, bought VHS like it was nobody's business. We had the biggest collection of VHS movies of anyone I knew. When friends come over, I'd watch their bug eyes go crazy looking at my shelves, because it's just like, I, I guess I was jaded because I was used to it, but they couldn't believe how many movies we had. But this was not one of them. We rented this. I remember renting it from Family Video, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I loved it so much, I rented it like two, three, four more times. But we never owned the damn movie. However, my parents did buy me the soundtrack on on cassette, and I would listen to that all the time, because the music in this movie is phenomenal. (laughs) Absolute bangers. They they are. I I love this damn movie. So, yeah, I mean, I, I watched it a lot on repeat, but I never owned it. But I always had very fond memories of it. And this is actually the first time I've seen it in probably a good 20 years. I don't even know when the last time I saw it was. God, it's got to be uh, at least 20. Yeah. Yesterday. <laughs> I mean, uh, other than yesterday. <laughs> damn it, Ken. Okay. Let me regale you guys with a tale. A tale of my childhood. Normally... I come to this part and say, I never saw this movie. It's fine. However, the year was 1995. We had just spent a ton of money on a brand new house to fit five kids plus two adults in a house. We went from a one two-bedroom house to a four-bedroom house. Still not enough rooms for each person to have their room. However, big enough for our family. However, the biggest problem with this house was... It did not come with central air. This is 1995, 94 when we bought the house, 95 uh, when the movie came out. And uh, a key thing I'd like to point out in the summer of 1995 was it was very warm. In fact, that warmth reached its, uh, its, uh, its, press, its, 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 its reach on July 13th, 1995. Now, what is a family in 1995? with not enough money to put central air in their house because they just bought a house and they have too many kids going to do when it is the first time this year that it is getting over 100 degrees, they're going to go to a local theater. The Nina oh, I was theater. way off. I was way off. I was going to say buy a shitload of box fans. It's always box fans. <laughs> it's always box fans. I have one. You have to have, you own a house, you have to have at least one box fan. Mm-hmm. That that is, a, that is a Midwest thing. I have three. You have three? Jesus. Oh. Daddy Warbucks over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I inherited two of them. I bought one okay. because I couldn't find those two. Uh, <laughs> that's not the story. <laughs> we had already exhausted the fan option. We were spending some days in the basement because the basement was, but at this point, the basement was also becoming warm just because it was so hot outside. So we all pile up in our Plymouth Voyager and drive over to the Neana Theater. This is my first experience going to a theater. This is a choice that we made because the eldest of us were, it was probably like 13. I could do the math. I'm not going to. The youngest of us was, it was 95, so five, five years old. We need to have a movie that all of us could go see. And that choice was the Goofy movie. And this was your first theater experience? That is correct. Mine was Five Goes West. I'm so and jealous of you. God, mine was the Prince of Egypt. 
1999. There was no way that was your first movie because I had to look that up while I was researching. No, this. that was the first movie that I I went. That was the first movie that I went to. It was the Prince of Egypt? I went to, I the went Prince to of Egypt came out in like 98 or 99. That was not your first movie in the theater because this one was out before that. I did this exact I saw same this in research. The theaters, it was winter. I did not see it when it came out. It was at the the theater at the Fox River Mall. They had a like a re-release, and I went with a bunch of friends. Ah, okay, right. okay. I might be able to redeem myself here. I'm looking up the dates of release here because they both came out in the same year. I saw Hook and I saw Five Goes West in theaters. Which one came out first? <laughs> <laughs> if it was if it was Hook, I'm gonna be ecstatic. <laughs> but if it was Five O, it's gonna it's gonna be Five O. Five was early. Five O was not. Five was like the like New Year's movie timeline. Oh, shut up, Dan. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> It's a Don Bluth movie. It's good. It was Hook was December 11th, and Five Will Goes West was probably way earlier in the year. Wait, wait, wait. Five Will Goes West? Five Will Goes West. I'm going to pull the... my supportive statement out from underneath you and say that's a horrible first movie. It was still good. <laughs> Not as good as the first one. No, it wasn't as good as the first one. It came out in November. November 22nd. So what? I would almost I sworn that was like early in the year. <laughs> okay, I would almost say that I saw them both as my first movie. That's like a that's like a grindhouse. Five goes west and book. <laughs> Five goes west is way less depressing than the original American Tale. It is. So I would put my uh, story that that I enjoyed Five goes west way more than the original American Tale as a child. <laughs> All right, I, I'd be done with that. Sorry, sorry to derail. <laughs> You didn't derail my story. I got to the end, which is amazing. But there are more details we'll share without with you guys throughout the ah, rest of the podcast. Okay. okay, I'm excited. Oh, but if you wanted to know, the Nina Theater does not exist anymore. I bet you guys didn't know that. It was right where 3NC is right now because they went out of business. Future Nina tried to make it into a thing. It didn't happen. So Jim, uh, uh, a very rich person in Nina, if you're from Nina, you know who it was, purchased it, tore it down, and put a eyesore there. <laughs> and it I swear quite the he, I swear he feels the guilt of ripping down this precious theater to this day, and that's why he does things like restore mausoleums and puts in a free gas glass uh weight museum, and that's not a tax evasion <laughs> thing whatsoever. No, not at all. <laughs> no, nope, not at all. Never. Good on you, Jim. Good on uh, you. I don't nope. know his first name. It wasn't it wasn't it was three and it's the, it's the car guy. Yeah, I that's I what I I, I could have sworn. Is it John? I thought it starts with a J. Now I gotta look. I don't know. Who owns Murder Car Company? <laughs> and if anyone still cares, my first theater experience, I believe, was uh, Oliver and Company. Oh, that's Co. not bad. It's not bad. That's not Hook, but it's not bad. It was a school trip. That's cool. It is John. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen Oliver and Company. I'm pretty sure I have not. You haven't seen Oliver and Company? I, I honestly don't know if I have either. I spent my childhood watching a Goofy movie and Home Alone. Oh, my family was all over the Disney films. So, like, Oliver and Company is a... Wait, is Oliver and Company even Disney? No, it is not Disney. It is now. I don't believe it's Disney. I'm sure Disney bought it from whoever got it. Anyway. Did someone's parents die? Because then it's not Disney. <laughs> it was a Disney. It was a Disney feature animation. 
Oh, released 1988. There we go. Yep. November 18th. In the future, maybe. Oh, maybe. Marin and Billy Joel. Wow. What? Yeah, it's got a really, really freaking <laughs> awesome cast. That Midler, some jerk named Joey Lawrence. Looks like he belongs on Entourage. <laughs> oh, Entourage. That's for the 90s people. I guess 80s as well. Anywho, we watched a goofy movie. I still adore this movie. So I will bequeath upon you, Ken, the yes. duties of summing it up. Oh, okay. Uh, this is a heartwarming, saccharine sweet, remember your insulin movie uh, type movie because it will send you in a diabetic shock. I don't know if saccharine will do that to you, but it will now. Without a proper amount of insulin, there's no way to find out. Uh, I mean, it's not like you have a diabetic right here. Mm, maybe. I did not need insulin to watch this movie. You want to know what movie I need to watch? I need insulin for, or not even insulin. The the the, the Yellow Submarine movie by the Beatles I've makes never me seen go. That. Never seen it. It makes me go low every time I watch it. I've never seen that movie. I always wanted to. All right, so this is a coming of age tale for one Maxwell Goof, the child of the titular Goofy of the Goofy movie, a Goofy movie. I guess I should call it by the right name. So, uh. Max is trying to become a cool kid in school and attract the attention of one Roxanne, and in doing so, sends Goofy into thinking that his child is going to end up in the electric chair. So, Goofy decides that they need to take a family vacation. A family vacation being of Goofy and Max traveling across the country, visiting stops that he saw as a child, ending up at Lake Destiny. At some point, Maxwell decides he needs to, uh, Diverge the the trip to go see his favorite artist, Powerline, and end up on stage because that's what he said he was going to do to Roxanne, and hijinks ensue. That was phenomenal. Yeah, that was excellent. This is one of those unfortunate movies that gets derailed by the fact that literally the entire movie could have been avoided with just a conversation. Yep. Yes. Uh, sure could. Lord, yes. Instead of Goofy just assuming the worst and not talking at all to his son about what happened at school. I mean, that's really on brand for Goofy, though. I know it's on brand for Goofy, but it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating watching it as an adult. As an adult, I'm just like, just talk to your damn son. We could really say that the the Principal Mazer could be the one who tilted this entire this entire movie oh. on its end. You're saying that a principal calling and screaming into the phone that your son's heading for the electric chair and then hanging up without any further context makes you a bad principal? <laughs> sure does. And yes, I am. I mean, suggesting in the same speech that you're spending time with friends is a waste of your summer, but science slumber parties, which is probably hanging out with friends, is a good thing. Uh, you mix messages at best. Yeah. But this is really a movie from Max's point of view to... Uh, try to appeal to the children it's definitely a uh, appealing to the child the children in the audience as being like appealing to them versus being from goofy's point of view right there is a bit from the goofy's point of view i'm sure parents watching this are like oh yeah i get this uh, sort of thing it really to me seems like it's told from the max point of view to adults are all kind of silly in this sort of movie yeah no for sure for sure so can we talk about how short the opening credit is very it's like 15 seconds there was an opening credit wasn't it just like the title and then it's just the title <laughs> and that's much, it yeah. and then I... it says something yeah, yeah. in words and it moves on 
and then it immediately jumps into the first banger of the movie. Another formative moment of my childhood. Yes. Yeah. Where where it makes me feel funny. Roxanne in a field. <laughs> just... Roxanne in a field of wheat on a plinth. On a plinth, yep, and just uh yeah, childhood crush. Man, these these animators a bit of a symbolism here. These animators really threw a lot into these characters. Roxanne, make... Lola Bunny. Yup. <laughs> like Roxanne, yeah. Lola. Uh, who else? Um April uh, O'Neil. I mean, like the eighties yeah. into the nineties just Lots wow. of overly sexualized <laughs> female characters. Yup. Yup. <laughs> overly sexual, but also like non human. But they're still trying to get them as human as possible. Oh, how can we forget? Um, Jessica Rabbit? <laughs> like, just... Yeah. She was human. Uh, she was human, yes, but it's still a cartoon. It's like the, these animators. Just, just boom. Yep. <laughs> boom. There was a time. There was a time. That's the best way to put it. There was a time. <laughs> <laughs> and now if you take the high heels off of uh, M&M's, uh, people from that era get real angry. Oh, that's right. I heard about that. <laughs> I'll agree. The uh, the fluidity that the animation had was very top-notch. It's yes. very top-notch, and I was not intentionally watching the credits at the end, but there were five or six animation like teams. That makes sense. Because the animation in this movie is beautiful. Gorgeous. It yes. really is. There's, yeah. there's a lot of very, very little details that are in this movie, but there are also some like glaringly obvious, we've run out of time and need to make these these scenes work points. Oh, yeah. You'll, in the animation. Yeah. But I'm willing to forgive that for little little things like fish inside of a waterbed. <laughs> I mean, <come> <laughs> right? <laughs> the attention to detail with that incredible... Oh, for sure. Like, when he plops on the bed, and they all school away, and then they all slowly come back. Like, mm -hmm. there's just so much detail oozing out of this movie. I love it. But yeah, that, that opening scene, I remember it being scary as a child. Because, I mean, it is definitely, like... Like, just Max were werewolfing into his dad? Yes, yes. His ears, like, whipla whip whiplashing out, teeth coming out, and everything crazy. And then he wakes up, and it's funny, and it's great. I, I love it. Is it funny, though? Because the real underlying uh, thing here is you're scared of becoming your dad. Yes. I mean, let's let's just get that out of the way right away. This whole movie is a, a perfect study in, in parents learning to not try to make their children into them because that's just stupid, and too many parents do that. But at the same point, it's also kids being afraid that they're going to turn into their parents for the negative aspects, not the good aspects, because that's all they focus on. Like, he's not having dreams about anything good that his dad does, and he's not thinking about all the good stuff that his dad does, and, you know, excited to be that, but all he's thinking about is all the negative physical and mental aspects. Now, I gotta point out that the next scene, Goofy, uh, Maxwell wakes up in his room, gets the call, finds out he's late, gotta get to school, uh, Goofy comes in, starts cleaning, there's my clothes, uh, what about, uh, I don't know, the dirty clothes things cracked me up, and then Goofy sucks up the head of his power line, uh, cardboard cutout yep. and this is where you find out that goofy doesn't talk to his child at all yeah because it's such a big part of his life and he has no idea who he is every square inch is covered in power line and goofy does not know who power line is at all like doesn't even know doesn't even attempt a name at it or like, oh, he's a music guy. Like, doesn't know at all what Powerline is. I'm assuming Max doesn't have a job at this point. So I'm assuming Goofy gave him money for chores or something to purchase those things. His room is, like you said, adorned from wall to wall with that stuff. 
at no point whatsoever has he ever asked to the sell. newspaper clipping sure you can get a newspaper clipping from anywhere but like that cardboard cutout came from somewhere maybe it was uh somebody i don't know he got it from the record store because they had another one in stock the next time he walked past it that it had to come from somewhere i got curious where it came from where goofy wouldn't be involved in that transaction yeah, no, that's that's a very good call. And so it does. It sets up really nicely off the bat that there is a disconnect between father and son as to what is happening in each other's life. They li- they exist in separate bubbles, even if they live in their own house. And this is a real thing that people have to go through, I guess. Well, we'd have to talk about the fact that Max's mom, or the lack of her, and I, I don't remember if they talk about Max's mom in the sequel that we don't talk about, because uh. I only saw that movie once, and... I don't remember really anything about it other I saw than it once hated the Maxine's tone, isn't in it. Maxine's not in it. And I didn't care. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. It is Maxine, isn't it? Roxanne's missing. No shit. It's Roxanne, not Maxine. Roxanne's missing. And the tone changes entirely. The tone changes and Max is super goofy, just like his dad. And just, it, it, it doesn't feel like this movie at all, which makes sense. Cause it's not the same director. I, I don't I don't know. I, I never went back and saw it, so I, I couldn't back you up on that. I can't remember if they even do bring up Max's mom in any way, shape, or form. Let's find out. Oh, Wikipedia. But then you also have, you know, Goof Troop, the show that's you know, came after this and there's yep. all kinds of stuff where they never reference the mom from what I remember. At least I mean In a very Disney movie or uh Disney uh sort of way, kill the parents in a very uncharacteristic uncharac- Disney way. Don't talk about it. Yeah, that is very uncharacteristic. They always bring it up somehow. Wouldn't be a Disney movie without a dead parent. But then we get into the first music number. Yes. Oh my God, so good. <laughs> so good. It's it's uh, After Today. It's not even the Tevin Campbell uh, jam. It gets into After Today and, and you know it sets the movie off. Incredible. And then did you guys notice that uh, tit- they ripped off Titanic? Except for Titanic came out after this movie, so Titanic ripped off this movie. No, what? Where? When uh, Maxwell goes to the top of the uh, bleachers and stands on, he's singing, he's like, uh, the the wind's coming through his hair at like the precipice of a ship at the bow. Oh. It, it had a very Titanic feel to it. I bet that they stole that from, Titanic stole that from this movie. Who knows? Maybe James Cameron's a big Goofy fan. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know if we need to go scene by scene in this movie, but suffice it to say, yeah. I absolutely could. Uh, but I mean, that's that's how I wrote my notes. Oh yeah, I mean, that's how you watch a movie in scene by scene. It's it's amazing. We did miss the opening, the the first banger. Did we? The song is called "After Today." I was just talking about "After Today." Well, okay, yes. I was I was reading the Wikipedia on Mrs. Okay. Goof and she does she barely she barely <laughs> yeah, exists. She she is not in one, anything man. from nineteen fifty forward. Gotcha. Yeah, we, we were we were talking about after today, so Okay. That, that's exactly where we're I'm at. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and yes, it is an absolute banger. I think we've all agreed on that. Joe, how do you feel coming into this as an adult? A crotchety old adult that hates Disney <laughs> tunes. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> Um, so my note I wrote from the first song is, uh, it doesn't feel like it fits and it's a cheap theater song that sounds like just cheap 
musical theater that is regurgitated. Get the over hell out of here again. <laughs> I was I was this is where it's interesting. that this movie could be a, a stage play. <laughs> this is phenomenal. This is what we're waiting for. I can't wait. Do we have do we have Joe's first Dan movie? My poor is heart. Joe gonna hate this? <laughs> I'm so excited. No, actually, honestly, Joe, when I first watched this movie, the uh, ancillary uh, music numbers, this one, uh, and Nobody Else But You, did not care for them as much, just because they were, all those movies, those songs that weren't Powerline, didn't resonate with me. I will agree with you on uh, the the two of us. Is eh. Yeah, Nobody Else But You is, that, that, that part of the movie... It's probably my least favorite. I love that song now after watching the movie probably 300 times, but... It makes sense, and it leads up to some very important scenes, but man, it didn't need it didn't need the musical number. It did need the musical number, because otherwise, how are you going to get through all of those things that Goofy and Max are supposed to get through in order for Goofy to say, all right, let's go sneak into Powerline. Goofy's more of a felon than uh, Maxwell is in this movie. You know, just a single conversation, and it doesn't have to be sung. Like a deep, introspective conversation between a father and his son. Yeah, but that's that's the whole thing. The song is deep, introspective, and they don't have to have that conversation. That would be incredibly boring to have on screen, especially in a child's movie. Now, mind you, it would be incredibly healthy for them to show that on screen so people know how to have these conversations. I'm not saying that. I'm saying from an entertainment standpoint, uh, having the musical number there is going to be much more entertaining than it is going to be that conversation pan out. Yes. Uh, as a child watching the movie, a conversation would have probably been a boring spot and I would have like played with my toys and moved on and, and come back. Whereas this song played, and I don't know why it made me feel sad, but it made little me feel sad and want to go hug my dad. <laughs> I don't know. They really got to me with a song. It makes adult me feel sad, and I love it. It's good. I didn't like it. Did you just say you didn't <sighs> like it? <laughs> I was so excited. Correct. Okay, well, because the first time around I watched it, this is your first time watching the movie, I also did not care for those offbeat musics. However, Powerline... Slaps every single time. Powerline slaps so hard, and... Yeah, Powerline I had no problem with. This is a rough one, Joe. This is hard. I, I feel like I feel like the songs for Powerline specifically are so unbelievably good. They have literally, like, just no reason being in this movie. Like, they just shadow everything that possibly could happen in the movie, every scene. I'm just waiting for the next Powerline jam. <laughs> you can say that they stand out when you're looking eye to eye. Oh, <laughs> well done. Well done. I used the soundboard, except for no one to understand that clapping was just happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It, in the to s- shortly sum it up, it to me it felt like uh, the movie was scripted, storyboarded, and then a producer said wait a minute, where are the songs? And then they had to go back and either replace a section or shove in a song at the minimal amount of points to satisfy that producer. That's how it feels to me. That's fair. Okay, yeah, I get that. I could see where Powerline would be like the only thing that makes sense in the movie and none of the other music would fit. Like, just keep everything else out. I, I could see that. I mean, that 
that could be what they did. But man, on the open road is one of my favorite jams from this, so I'm 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 grumpy towards that one. But really, this is already kind of a short movie, so it's almost like they filled in, added in music just to fill in the gaps. Which is not how it should be done. So eh. anyway, I'll, I'll save it for the negative section. But I've got I've got comments on. It. I've got comments on one song in the negative section, and you're gonna not be happy about this. Well, Joe might be happy about it. Yep, you already know. I haven't talked about it. The the, the place of nightmares. Uh huh. <laughs> Good. I agree. I like I like the possum part. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Joe. Oh God, I, man! I just peeked out really bad. Oh, I gotta turn All that down. Right. So, anyways, oh. anyways. So Max gets to school and, and and does his does his crazy dance, flying around and everything, and causes a big ruckus. Right? That's where the whole like story kicks off. That's where you know gets in trouble and Goof gets a phone call. I still laughed hard, like massive belly laughed hard at Goofy's job. You actually get to see Goofy doing his job, which is a, he's a photographer at like a. Okay, like a Sears or a Kmart or a Sears, yeah, yeah. Exactly, like a Kmart. And he's trying to make this kid laugh, and he inadvertently, he's playing with a squeaky toy and accidentally swallows a squeaker. And I still laughed hard at him doing his little, like, coy, like, like smiling, like, squeaky laugh as he, as he gets the kid to laugh because he's got the squeaker stuck in his throat. <laughs> that was funny as hell to me. That's peak goofy. It's still, it is still peak goofy. Like, it brings a smile to my... That scene still brings a smile to my face. Yeah. Goofy being a, like, good human being and, yeah. like, interacting with children. It's just fun seeing him at his job, too. It's like, you don't think about Goofy or Donald or Mickey or anybody, like, at a job doing something, and, and here's Goofy working as a photographer at some random place. With Pete. It's just a nice peek into life. Yeah, with Pete of all people. <laughs> Although Pete somehow must make a crap ton more money than Goofy, because... That's, wow. We'll talk about that that monstrosity of his RV. I was about to bit. bring that up. Unless Pete's wife, who is strangely not featured in this movie at all, but unless she has a crazy job, and maybe that's why she's just too busy to be, you know, going on vacation and camping and stuff. But maybe she's got a crazy job that we don't know about, and that's where they get all their income from for the crazy stuff Pete has all his toys. But who knows? Who knows? Because I, I don't know what so, Peg does. She sells pictures. Of Peg feet. sells pictures of Pete. <laughs> There's a lot of things that Goofy did that make me uh, just laugh out loud. Where like he's backing out of the driveway, smashes the uh, the the fence. He's like, "Goodbye, mm-hmm. broken pile of wood." Yes, that that made me giggle. And drives off like <laughs> just so oblivious to everything. His, his when he's having his goofy moments, it's great. Yes. Something I noticed, and out of all the times that I felt I've watched this film when pete starts taking photos of the peekaboo girl i could have sworn that he stuck a like a thing of like tar paper to her yeah like velcro actually i did not realize it was velcro out of all the times that i have watched this film i have never i never like equated velcro i went to tar paper and i do not know why (laughs) it just shows the great difference i think that's more warner brothers kind of thing I, I love the way that it shows the difference, too, between Pete's character and Goofy's character. Like, Goofy injures himself, essentially, by swallowing a squeaker. And instead of focusing on his well-being, he makes it into a, a point to utilize that to make a child laugh. Whereas Pete just gets so frustrated, he's, he puts literal Velcro on a child's ass to get it to stay down. <laughs> like, it just... It, it, it's such a great parallel between the two. It definitely sets well, them it's, it's both Well, it's their two different, two different ends of the same parenting spectrum. 
Yes. Like, Goofy is... He is not a good parent, but he is no. a caring parent. He tries to be the friend more, and Pete's more of, like, the, the, the dictator parent. Like, do what I say. Yeah. <laughs> and also not afraid to use his child to cheat at bowling. Ooh, yeah. A lot of other things. I never liked Pete. How do you guys feel about Bigfoot? I love Bigfoot. I love when he puts his headphones on and starts dancing. But the sock puppets. The sock puppets had me in stitches all over again. <laughs> Smashing into it. It's so good. <laughs> oh. Frank Welker did a good job. Yes, I saw his Frank Welker. I was so happy. That was that was a weird scene growing up for me because I it felt like it was going on too long and then yeah. the sock puppets would happen and it would just bring me back into the scene again. Yes, it did feel weird. It felt out of place as a child. It's like why is Bigfoot here? And and it just kind of felt strange like it took it was taking too long, like you said. And still as an adult, I'd say it's it's kind of ah, I'm trying not to get to the negatives till we get to the negatives. But yeah, it's the whole Lester's Possum Park area, like Bigfoot right. combined with it, I I, I love that scene so much. Lester's song is still one of my hands-down favorites. It's just so bizarre and goofy to be in here. But Bigfoot, I, I don't know how I feel. I, I don't know if I feel like he fits. It's a funny kind of like little thing to toss in there. But yeah, I'm, I'm torn whether or not it was too long. For me, first watching it, I was confused whether that was the destination already. Right? It, 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 you talk about fishing, and you talk about the big fishing trip, getting to go fishing. I could see how they definitely play into it. Like, they're already fishing, but they're on the way to go fishing, and they still have a long way to go. Yes. He even learns the perfect cast before they get to go fishing. Yeah. It's a good thing, too, because it saved That's his good dad, point. and it saved it saved the, the show. The perfect cast. The perfect MacGuffin. No, what saved Goofy was the fact that he's got, like, a thousand-pound test on this freaking, <laughs> freaking fishing line. Hey, when Goofy sets out to go fishing with his son, he sets out to go fishing with his son. He, he planned ahead. You saw the crap tied to the top of the car. He wasn't leaving anything behind. <laughs> He packed the entire house into that, what I knew what you would call that, car topper. Sack? <laughs> like a giant sack just tied to the roof? I don't even know. It's the animator's best friend. They don't have to draw all the individual things on top of the car. They can just draw this burlap sack around everything. And then put some pots and pans on the outside so that way they can get knocked off on the highway halfway through the, or, yeah, right through the intro song. Second nope. intro song. Third intro? Uh, so, like... Just before Bigfoot, though, was the Possum yes. Park, and I enjoyed it, not because it reminded me of Chuck E. Cheese or anything like that, because it reminded me of Robot World in Wisconsin Dells. Oh my god, in the Dells! Okay, okay. Oh my god! I had gone to that, uh, we'll call it exhibit, even though that's not really what it is. A handful of times, and as time went on in every iteration of going, you could tell they put so little money into maintenance that it basically, my last time going there, it felt like that park where everything's just barely held together with tape and nails and you're like, this is sad. I used to enjoy this one. Which is great, because I, I love when it starts sparking and tips over. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great, because it's like, how many times... I, I know I've been there on you know vacations and things like that, trying to go back and recapture something that was amazing as a child. And it's just like, you see that. You see how little maintenance goes into something, or how it just is so wildly different from, from your rose-tinted glasses. It's just, it's sad. It's definitely sad. I don't know about Lester levels of sad, but you know... 
like nails bent sticking <laughs> out of wood bleachers and crap and just dingy looking rooms but so i've never noticed lester the or the the curator of the park shakes just as bad when he's talking as his animatronics do <laughs> he is robotic i did not notice that until this most recent watching that's awesome his voice um i can't place who the oh, voice actor yeah. is but when i heard that voice i was like oh yep. yes yeah i know he's you. been in a lot of things what what is his name it's one of those names where once i hear it i'm gonna get angry because I, I just know his name pat buttram that doesn't help he was <laughs> so pat buttram was the possum park mc so he was not lester yes but I'm, I know you're going to immediately know who he is. Think of the Sheriff of Rottingham. Yep, yep, yep. Big fat wolf in, in the old uh, Robin Hood movie. Oh, yeah, so classic voice actor yes. used by Disney over and over again. Perfect. Yes. He was in Back to the Future 3. What? And the original. Oh, yeah, he was. He was, yeah. He was one of the, yep. But yeah, I remember his. I remember him specifically from like Green Acres and stuff growing up, so... That's where I remember his voice and his acting from. So I've, I've, I've got to say it since we're talking about it again and I missed it the first time around and now we're at the second time and I feel like we're closer to the section anyway. Did not care for Lester's Possum Park. Really traumatizing as a child and as an adult that contains sure all of my least favorite <laughs> things. What? No, what? I, I, I would watch this movie over and over again for Lester's. That... Like, I'd be playing with my Ghostbusters Act of One and stuff, and, like, I'd drop whatever I'm doing to... I'd drop whatever toys I was playing with to watch this. Yes, I was so excited for this scene. I would stop whatever I was doing to come, like, rushing to the TV to giggle at this. It explains so much. This specific scene <laughs> is possibly one yes. of the reasons why I don't ever want to have children. That girl is terrifying. <laughs> the one that's crying nonstop? No, she's crying being dragged the in there. The, the two gaps in her teeth. And then teeth. she's... All happy yodeling, which is also terrifying, and then getting her picture taken. Oh, that's right, that's right. Crying her ass off, and then you got the kid being <laughs> out there, being in public, being like, "Ha! Ah, what a dork!" The worst things. They, I just, I do not like this scene. And as a child, this I can appreciate scene that. Really, just almost traumatized me just because of the existence of those two kids okay i can appreciate that when she's singing off key it's it's definitely unnerving it's just everything about those is unnerving the possums themselves the the robotic possums fun the hanging possums adorable af however the uh the the people who are uh frequenting the possum park are not the kind of people that i want to have <laughs> they're terrifying to me i don't what? like you don't want to you don't want to hang out with a bunch of redneck hicks i do it's fine they're not like that the ones i hang out with <laughs> fair enough i want to know how many tires they went through in the oh, movie. they one there was a, there was that, a that whole that whole no. that whole that whole scene they, they were, were replacing, replacing tires one it was the, the front right tire and they replaced it once i hate that montage because there's 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 several reasons i've i'm oh i can't i can't do it now because we're not in, the, we're not in the i think we've made scene. it you just hate it because they're getting along i think we made it to the hate no i love that they're getting along <laughs> there's just a bunch of incontinuity and it bothers the hell out of me all right come on it's a montage, so those kind of incontinuities are semi-forgivable, unlike when uh, the montage at the start of Guardians of the Galaxy, where he, uh, with the, the lizard, he's singing into it, and then he doesn't have a lizard, and all of a sudden he's got it again, now he's kicking it, and he's got the lizard back. 
it's that doesn't make sense to me because uh position and time and stuff like that however this one yeah they just keep on cutting back to the same tire being changed at different stages of the tire changing it's weird it can be confusing and it does make it look like they have blown out several tires but i'm with dan it's one and i'm okay with it because it's spaced out in between other shenanigans but the problem is they the the montage has them driving through states and then cutting to them doing actions in states and the actions in the states do not match the 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 states that they drove through yes i went back and i scrubbed back and watched this scene four times to make sure i was right before i wrote the note down (laughs) they drive into they drive through wyoming and then they cut back to goofy killing a mime in new orleans yeah they murdered someone I mean, <laughs> they both killed someone. Both Max and Goofy killed one person each. The thing is, even if they didn't kill them, the <laughs> fact that they walk away whistling is alarming. No, that's that's expected. If anything's expected, that would be it. Uh, yeah, it is nice that when they do that switch from Goofy running the thing and Max just being miserable the whole time and Goofy being kind of oblivious to the whole thing that max isn't having a good time or like he's not doing the right thing or like instead of paying attention to what max might like he just keeps on forwarding forging forwarding ahead full steam ahead trying to just keep on doing things that he liked as a child yes and then when max uh takes it's max's turn to run the trip max is watching goofy's not having a good time every time so he's like all right let's do something stupid that goofy would like let's go to the world's largest ball of yarn and goofy loves that like so max is more attuned to his father than his father is to him yes uh vice versa that's actually very true yeah well i mean goofy is because all he cares about is high dad's soup (laughs) can we talk about the The, the statistical chance of getting one H, one I, two Ds, and an A as the last five letters in your your bowl of alphabet soup. I think Max did that on purpose. Yeah. It was already yeah. a pretty bad time. They were stuck in a car because of Bigfoot. Because Max's not a bad kid, for the most part. No, Max is a little asshole, and I've never liked He's very self-centered, oh, yes. it comes out. <laughs> I grew up watching this movie. I did not like Max at all. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, my opinion's changed on him as well. Like, I, I liked Max as a child, but now I don't. He's He's a jerk. He's not Simba. Come on. Uh, going back to the Bigfoot scene, though, that Simba is more is more of a child, more of a actual like likable character than Max yeah. is. Simba is a self centered asshole who uh, causes all sorts of problems. The only reason why you can uh, associate with that kid is because his dad dies in front of him. Thanks, Disney. <laughs> and even then, Simba is not a likable character. Max has some redeemable qualities. He's at least like no. He, he tr- yeah. He's trying occasionally, at least, while still being a child. When it benefits him. Yeah, well, I mean, kids in general go through a very long phase where they don't understand implications of their actions, per se. And it takes, I, I can't remember what year it is when children finally understand that, oh, if I shove my finger in my sister's eye, she could go blind, you know, and actually care about that. That's just part of kids developing. Max is a teenager. He should have gone through that already, and he should understand what his actions do to other people. If at this point he doesn't care, 
that means he's, he's also a bad like person. super controlling and a narcissist. He just wants people to like he him. Li he lie blatantly lies to the love of his life and then does not actually apologize about it. That is a small problem. I mean, does he not apologize at the end of the movie? There is no actual <laughs> apology. No. He just says, really. I lied. He explains himself, but he does not apologize. Not blatantly. Eh, 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 so, okay. you're, so you're saying once again, there's no conversation. They just move forward and just anything to not acknowledge what's happening. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Max, uh, Roxanne just like wholeheartedly accepts that Max is a liar. She's into it. She gets that. He, uh, he just said things so that way she wouldn't uh, move on. Well, she's still just not talking about the fact that she runs meth Ooh. outside the back of the house. So, you know, whatever. He's just, you know, lying about going on stage. That's, I believe that's a stereotype. I don't know where you're getting meth from. <laughs> I just picked anything. <laughs> just don't go inside. You'll see, you'll see things you don't want to see. Well, that's why he was all worried about it, because he's like, who the hell is this, and who is he going to snitch to if he sees what's Over going on behind father? his door? No, just trying to protect his assets. Assets that he sends his daughter out through town to sell, because she's a pretty face and can uh, get other kids to buy the bad drugs for a steeper price because of a pretty girl. Well, we're making this movie so much darker than it actually is. Anyway, I don't know. I think I think we've probably tapped out on things we like. All right, if you want one more thing I like, the end of the movie, Goofy kicks the bumper onto the car and the car explodes. Yes. Shooting him into the stratosphere. That was silly. Gets me every time. I mean, they are bound by the laws of tune physics. You don't die of accidents in Toondom. You die of old age or your creator dying and then you never being written again. <laughs> you talk about me making this all dark. Damn. Eh. All right. I, I want to hear what you guys uh, can say about the opposite end of the What we didn't like? The I've already covered it under C. Lester's Possum Park. Yeah. Yeah. Le like, God, <laughs> Lester's, man. So... So much. I wouldn't say trauma, but like maybe it's maybe it is trauma. Like I hear that song and the, the hair on the back of my neck goes up. It's it's visceral. The visuals. It would have been cool if they would have made the hat a real hat. Oh, the possum hat. I'd buy one. the possum hat. Yeah, roadkill. Yeah, the roadkill hat. Dead possum. That would have been great. I wonder if um, they did. Oh, they didn't. I missed a bit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind this here back to open road. Oh. The the little man and the large woman in that scene. Yes. The large woman is the same large woman at the end of the movie. She the, is. Singing? That always confused me. As a child, that confused the crap out of me. I I caught that a while ago and I wrote it down in my notes and I was just looking and I forgot that I forgot to make a mention of it when we were talking about on the open road. Are you talking about the lady who's singing or Yes, the lady who the lady who Goofy walks into the dressing room. Of. Oh. Oh wow, okay. I didn't actually and, I've never pick that out. Uh, the 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 small man that is with her in op on the open road is loading Max and Goofy onto the loading dock. Ah, oh, no way! Yeah, that's amazing. I'm gonna add that to which the which lets me I lets like. me roll into into a thing that I don't like. There are so many like supposedly like oh what's the word I want to use how. PJ and Pete just show up. Yeah, the all coincidences. The, time. the there are so many coincidences in, in coincidences in this movie that I I 
I have a problem with. The, yeah, the amount of times that Pete and uh, Goofy end up in the same spot, even though they're on different trips, is it's incredible. Unless Pete's following Goofy the entire time. Just to fuck up his vacation and his family's uh, values. <laughs> it's crossed my mind before. I mean, it would be, it wouldn't, it would not be outside of Pete's character. Like, he's envious of the relationship that Goofy and Max have. Like, they're all buddy buddies. He wants that with, uh, with PJ, except for he's not willing to put in the uh, emotional effort to that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a possibility. And so instead he wants to ruin what Goofy and uh, Max has, so he doesn't have to feel his feelings. Yeah, no, his relationship with his son is money. He just buys steaks and video games, big screen TVs, and that's that's it. Well, that's that's I mean that that's reiterated in the goofy the goofy TV show. Yeah, Goof Troop. Yeah, Goof Troop. Like Pete is not like Pete is the antithesis of a good father or a good person, even person. Yes. Or dog. He might be a cat. Yeah, we we started to learn about this from Stand by Me. What the hell is Goofy? That's going back a little bit. I'm okay with that. He's a dog, probably. According to an article from last year in USA Today, Bill Farmer, who is Goofy's, one of Goofy's voice actors, uh, Goofy is not a dog. What a liar. Pluto is a dog. Okay. However, Goofy is part of what is a canine family, being the Canis Goofus. Okay. Goofy is his own creature. Then how did he have a son? Well, we're going to talk, we, we talk about Geef, Mrs. Goofy, who appeared in a single comic back in 1949. Christ. And has not appeared since. How much does that one go for? I have no idea. It's all right. We don't need to find out. This, this kind of sounds like <laughs> Scientology now. Good lord. Anyway, so you guys aren't you guys aren't sharing too much about things that you. Joe, don't I like. love this movie. I I I, I, I mean, that from the it's, top. It's more it's more criticisms of this movie than things that I don't like. Sure. This sure. this movie is a it's a beloved film of mine, and I just have nitpicky things that really have are of no consequence. I mean, I I don't have a lot in this category either. To be honest, it. Uh, I don't even have categories. I just took little See, notes. Like categories. Time. Um, like Your categories this, are this, scattered about. <laughs> this movie was. I felt like it was written to make you feel bad, make the the children feel bad for Max. And I yes. never once felt bad for Max. No, I felt bad. I for felt my bad dad. for Goofy. I I think it's uh uh written not necessarily so you feel bad for Max, but as a way that you can identify with Max. And then also realize that you should probably pay attention and care for your parents. This is a way to guilt kids into uh, communicating and hanging out with their parents, so that way they. they well, then I must I must have had a very very good relationship with my with both of my parents because Max, even when I was little, made me angry. Like he wasn't he wasn't talking to his parents. He wasn't talking to Goofy, and he wasn't listening to Goofy. Yeah, he learned it like, from Goofy actually. They, well, yeah. Weirdly enough, if your parents don't talk to you, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna have Reverberate. a verbal effect. Yep. You can put all that anger right on Goofy. You know, stupid, cute face and his squeaks. So, how has your interpretation of the movie changed since you originally saw it after watching it this time? How do you see it now compared to then? I mean, you guys are kind of talking about it. I mean, I don't know if my interpretation has really changed. Like, I still feel the same way about this movie that I did when I went and saw it 
or watched it at home when I saw it in the theaters or watched it at home. Actually, I saw it in theaters and then begged my parents to buy it on VHS, so I had a copy of it to watch it over and over again. Mm-hmm. So there are those movies like this where they sometimes you have a uh, you identify with the child when you're a child, and then when you're an adult, you identify as the adult more, and you're like, "Wow, that child is real." Uh, and as a child, I definitely identified with Max a lot more than you know Goofy. However, as an adult, I it's separated out a little bit more. I just uh, they're just them. It's a little bit, uh, there's a little bit more separation from that, which means I can actually enjoy things a little bit more like the Lest- Lester's Possum Park. I, I still really enjoy this movie. The music makes me all sorts of happy. Uh, we didn't actually talk about at all, and I'm sure it doesn't really matter, about actually how this movie holds up and the amount of things from the 90s mm-hmm. that are purely 90s that just can't hold up anymore. The tape deck in the car breaking. The eight track tape deck? Yes. The uh, because that was not a cassette tape that he put in there, they were shaped different. The cord on the phone, the four foot long cord that was on that that phone, and the fact that it didn't get yanked over when he fell. The, f- the flip on the uh, the alarm clock. There are some things that are just pure 90s that you're not gonna, or the 80s or 90s, or you know, thing older than that, uh, that you're just not gonna get from kids these days, might not understand, but still, I think it'll still get the ideas across just fine. Probably a lot, of, a lot of this movie on me is actually stemming from nostalgia. Yeah, I can agree. Like there is, there is a lot of nostalgia tied into this movie for me. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of. He doesn't want to say. He doesn't want to acknowledge anything because it'll ruin his, <laughs> his, his worldview of goofy, the goofy movie, a goofy movie. No, for for me, I, I feel like the pacing was sporadic, like a misfiring engine. Just like there's just random spots all over the movie where it's just kind of like for me the flow feels very like okay cool we're doing this thing now we're suddenly here okay now that sudden thing that just happened completely changed everything so now this has to happen well that was random why did that happen cool now we're back on track oh we're already there end of the movie i think the biggest jar uh, that i jarring thing like that that i definitely agree with you on there is from nobody else but you directly to Powerline. it's like that space yes. the, the uh, yeah. space jam jump where they're like all right we gotta get practice we gotta get practice we gotta get practice and they never actually practice and all of a sudden it's the big game yeah car floating down a river all of a sudden we're at the, <laughs> at the concert. Can we talk about how buoyant that car is because they are traveling on that car for hours Goofy just buys good stuff, okay? And if they fell into a river in a canyon, that river's not going to take them to L.A. Yep. It's uh, going to take them to Mexico. <laughs> Hold on. Yes. And probably hit a few dams along the way. Colorado goes to L- Colorado River goes to L.A., doesn't it? Okay. There's a river in L.A. I don't know what it is. It's mostly a uh, river or a mud bank. It don't Don't believe things you hear. The L.A. River is a, uh-huh. a cement um, As seen in basin the Terminator. That, yeah, it's not a real river. A few days out of the year, it's a real river. If they get rain. So I'll, I'll jump forward a little bit and talk about, uh, uh, you know, is this a movie to recommend? I would say no. <gasps> I, it, it's just so, to me... It's so plain and ordinary, and it just feels like a Disney filler film. Like, oh, God, we haven't had a, a film 
to fit this space. Let's make a film. And it does give the vibe that they tried to do something with it. But in the end, it, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it did this is the, This is the same kind of response that I would have if somebody asked me about One Crazy Summer. I would not recommend, I wouldn't recommend either of these movies sure. because I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think to recommend either of these movies. A goofy movie, if I was, mm. I had a bunch of friends, a bunch of friends over at the house and we were looking for something to watch and I happened to accidentally open Disney Plus, I mean, I wouldn't think to go to the goofy movie unless they had like an ad for it or a recommendation on the front page. I'd probably go to a Marvel movie or star wars or something else and if i think back to other movies from 1995 that i was watching in the theater and at home i mean that would be movies like braveheart hackers apollo 13 and probably yeah, one of my favorite 13 in theaters That's one of me. my favorites 12 monkeys oh 12 wow monkeys came out in 95 no way. You had Casper, Batman Forever. I mean, you, you had a yeah, lot yeah. of movies coming oh out. Goldeneye. Congo, Congo Die Hard with a Vengeance. How much money did a goofy movie make? There, There's a lot going on. Those are movies that I'd start recommending. Um, maybe not so much Hackers, but uh, Apollo 13, 12 Monkeys for sure. That's a tough one to recommend. It's a hard movie to watch. Yeah, it is. It, it took me three or four tries before I, I finally sat down and watched the whole thing. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it's definitely a... Uh... A goofy movie made $37.6 million. Nice! I was one of those. So, like, how much did it... What was its budget? I don't know. While you're looking that up, I'd recommend it, especially if you've got kids. Yeah, sit down, watch it with your kids. Maybe talk to them about talking to each other. Uh, point out, be like, wow, this could have really uh, been avoided if they just would have, you know, said things to each other. And, yeah, know, no, I'd agree. Absolutely. So use that as a learning moment. Yeah, for sure. The A goofy movie doubled its budget. Perfect. It did what it should do. It took $18 million and a made 37 almost 38 but there are like like we've already said there are so many other good movies that came out when this did mm-hmm. and this was released this was the this was like the spring movie of 95 i mean even even if you just whittle it down to just the family friendly movies for 95 you got jumanji indian in the cupboard babysitter's club heavyweights babe casper like that's heavyweights a... is a weird movie there's just a lot going on in 95 a lot and I was in high school, so a goofy movie wasn't exactly. Right. That's right. You were probably more well, like inclined to, to go watch. try to find a copy of Operation Dumbo Drop, and <laughs> <laughs> I was probably eleven. Wait, Goof Troop came out before a goofy movie? You are correct. That changes my perspective on things. So where Ooh, is Peg? Crap. She's got to be working. She's... The only explanation I'll accept is that she's working and can't attend the, the family father-son trip. It's a father-son trip. It's not a family trip. Sure. It's a attempt to assert dominance by Pete. He's not going to get that with Peg around. I mean... I just literally in my head heard him whining but Peg. In the way that he says it. I can't get it out of my head now. <laughs> well, see, Pete is, Pete is such a... Like a a better character in a goof in goof troops than he is in a goofy movie 
Like he's more of a dad. Yeah, but he's still he's still pretty much the same. Like I, I remember a lot of episodes of him just like flaunting crap and always like trying to one up goof. Well, I mean, but that's I mean that's that's part of Pete's character. Yeah, but like that's what he's like showing his son. Like it's okay to do this. Like and goof's a piece of crap, so we treat him like crap. That's really all they had time for f- with Pete in this movie. Yeah. Like he'd show up, tell Goofy he's doing a bad job, and leave. Man, this this flips. I I had no idea that a group that Goof Troop came out beforehand. I am so, like, I am absolutely stunned. I thought the movie. I thought the movie came out, and then they made the TV show about it. I didn't know that they took the TV show. I'm shaken. I am like absolutely shook. Andy, did you ever say whether or not you like this movie? You'd recommend this movie? That's where I'm stuck. Like. I still like it, and I, I honestly, for one of the first times, will probably say this is pure nostalgia for me. I remember this movie as a child. I thoroughly enjoy the movie for the child. I, you know, point of view, it's just... It's, you know, I totally agree. I, I don't think any kid this day and age would sit down to watch this and be excited. I could see that. And I definitely think that if Powerline was not featured in this movie and he did not go so hard, I'd probably have a completely different view on this movie. Yeah, I would would agree with that. Those songs elevate this movie to a whole new Yes, I mean, one of the first things I think about when I think about this movie is Powerline. And I love Powerline. I I mean, we know the lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) I will say one other quote has always stuck in my head from this movie, and I use it a lot. And that's how many cups of sugar does it take to get to the moon? I don't know why, but that just always seems to come up in conversation for me. <laughs> Three and a half? This song's right back <laughs> out. But yeah, I mean, you, you take Powerline out of this movie, and I, I really wouldn't probably have been as interested. Powerline is like the coolest aspect of this movie, hands down. So I don't know. I, I, I love this movie. I'm glad that this movie was around for me as a child, and I'm glad that I got to enjoy it and experience it. But I fear this might be one that I put into the box and say, yep, that was for me. And that's fine. You can always have things that are just for you. Feels weird and icky. I don't like it. Nah. Just like Goofy, you need to remember that not everything's going to be for everyone else. (laughs) And you can't force your views onto other people. You just gotta, you know, find some common ground. And you can still have your Lake Destiny if you want. You know, I have never checked. Does Lake Destiny actually exist? That's a good question. But I think the the moral of the story here, Ken, is we need to force Joe to repeatedly watch this movie until he likes it, because we liked it as kids, and now he needs to like it too. Yeah, I mean, see, it's it's definitely one of those clear nostalgia things, because if, if Joe's coming at it as an adult being like, eh, like it's 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 a easy uh, it's easy to see that this one. Rare occasion, nostalgia keeping us alive on this one. Oh, devastation. Lake Destiny does not actually exist. It is fake. It is fake. Not dev- devastation. That that's not a surprise. I mean, it could have it could be a totally different lake and not, not a surprise just not at remembering all. Remembering the name of the lake. I think what surprised me more as a child is finding out or child into adulthood is finding out that Lake Titicaca is a real lake. <laughs> I I watched Beavis and Butthead and just laughed and laughed and I'm like, "Wait, what? It's real?" Well, that was us driving all squiggles back and forth, up and down over the United States, watching the movie, a goofy movie. 
If you like this stuff, then clap your hands. So you're saying you love the Goofy movie. That's where we'll leave it. Okay. <laughs> no, no. He loves talking about movies. He loves the rewinders. And if you do, clap your hands. We'll hear it. Or just click the subscribe button or something. I appreciate it. I was just trying to do something different. That's it. Uh, we do this podcast whenever we can now. So it used to be every other week. Uh, we're going to try and work our way back into that. Um, sooner or later, it'll happen. We'll get there. Uh, and next time, we'll be pulling out our... It's not even a broad... Our claymore? I don't even know what it is. Our huge-ass sword and cutting through not library books, but the desert with Conan the Barbarian. I wish it was Conan the Librarian. You already did have Conan the Librarian. I know, but I want a feature film of Conan the Librarian. I mean, it's Conan the Barbarian, but he has red hair. It's not the same. No... I want him bitching about the Dewey Decimal <laughs> System and slicing kids in half. <laughs> so come back for next time when we rewind again.